Hey everybody, welcome to the Whole Church Podcast. If you didn't know which podcast you clicked on, which is pretty weird because you can probably read. Uh, today, I am Joshua Knoll as I am every day, but I am joined with your other co-host, TJ Tiberius Juan Blackwell. Hello, hello, welcome to the show. As well as a special guest, Elise Youngblood, who is the VP of Editorial for Barna Group. Um, if you guys hear numbers thrown out at church and stuff about different things, it's likely at least partially due to the Barna group. Uh, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Good to be here. Yeah. And uh, today we're going to be talking just kind of about um, what does the whole church believe? Um, Barna group is, as far as I know, isn't just associated with one denomination, but they study all Christians. So mm-hmm. it kind of gives us a good idea as far as the whole church goes, where the whole church stands. So yeah. uh, this would be a fun conversation to engage in. But before we do, as always, I like to just kind of review some audience engagement uh, this week for Monday and Monday, we asked you guys if you prefer sweaters or flannel. And uh, we we had a couple people say sweater, a couple people say flannel. Um, and then Andrew on our Facebook group added his own option that was hoodie. And that was just the overwhelming winner. Everyone else voted for his option. So there we go. Turns out the question was wrong. Um, <laughs> and... That leads us to my favorite form of unity, which is silliness, because it, it's virtually impossible to disagree with people when you're being silly. Um, what is one extreme sport that you would most like to see a puppy do? Uh, TJ and I will answer first. And for this particular exercise, we're assuming that the puppy will be successful. So uh, let's let's not get into any tragedy stories today. <laughs> um and uh, TJ, did you want me to go first or did you want to go ahead? Uh, I'm going to have my puppy uh, be doing AVT races. Yeah, just off-road vehicle stuff. I think he'd be pretty good at that because yeah. we're assuming he would be. <laughs> and it would be really cute. Yeah. Yeah, no, I uh, I went with base jumping. Uh, <laughs> I, You know. I know a dog's got to wonder visual. what it feels like <laughs> to fall that far. <laughs> yeah. I just yeah. want to see a dog jump off the Empire State Building <laughs> with a parachute. And be fine. Yeah. Here. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, so, uh, Miss Elise. Yeah. What's a extreme sport you'd like to see a puppy do? Yeah. Uh, mine. I was thinking of one that's a little less extreme, but I was going to go with gymnastics. and. Mm. I think just cool. as as an Olympic sport, but also if they're guaranteed success, I think that's going to be pretty darn yeah. cute. So I'm going to go yeah. with that. Yeah, yeah the just guaranteed like, success makes it a much more fun question. Yeah, yes. like floor yeah. routine or uneven bars. Like in my head, event? I was I had uneven bars. I think I think it's uneven bars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that nice. would be incredible. <laughs> uh, so onto the real show. Uh, yeah, you know the actual podcast part of this. Uh, one thing we have found that really helps establish church unity is to hear one another's story. Uh, would you mind sharing with us the story of how you came to meet Jesus? Sure. Um, and I, I love this question. I love kicking it off this way. Um, Cause I, I think this will relate a lot, you know, to even just what I have to share about my work and Barna's work. Um, so my father is a pastor. So I grew up in the church. So, you know, in, in some ways, 
as far as, you know, knowing Jesus, knowing the faith, um, my, my whole life really was in the church. Um, so came to faith at a pretty young age, actually, you know, remember having, you know, made a decision quite young, um, you know, maybe being five years old and, uh, you know, praying with my parents, that kind of thing. Um, and then, you know, there's, I think typically for anyone growing up in the church, you kind of go through waves with that and, um, you know, middle school, you, you kind of realize it's, it's yours to own and, and to shape and definitely went through some of that, um, went to Christian school, um, kind of from elementary all the way through college was in that environment. So from, in, from a very early age and really consistently had, um, just that imprint of faith in my life. Um, so I, I think the story of, of me coming to meet Jesus is, is the story of my life. Um, I think it's hard to, you know, pinpoint one particular thing. Um, denominationally, that's varied a lot. Um, you know, kind of went from non-denominational and, and more charismatic spaces to uh, kind of ping-ponging around the church and, and I think landing in a more liturgical expression of faith. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's, that's really been my story of uh, following Jesus um, and took me in a, you know, took me the long way around the barn a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that definitely, I think a story, a lot of our listeners could probably relate to just For kind sure. of growing up in the church. And uh, I feel like there's always this weird transition where when you grow up in it, it is sort of just a religion to you for a while. And you mm -hmm. kind of realize that it's real as you go. So yeah, I um, definitely relate to that. And that uh, you, you kind of already transitioned us to the next question, just um, mm -hmm. what could you tell us about the church you attend now? You said it's a little bit more liturgical. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm in Nashville, um, which I don't. One of you in Knoxville, like not you're like down I was the road. born in Knoxville. Okay, gotcha. I felt like there were some Tennessee roots here. I'm like I'm close to Knoxville. I could be there in a couple okay. of hours. Gotcha. Okay, so I'm in Nashville, um, and there's a church here. Uh, I'm confirmed Episcopalian now um, after a few years ago. So I go to a church here called St. Augustine's um, and they, yeah, just a, a really remarkable church. They meet on the Vanderbilt campus. Um, so really mm. connected to that community. Cool. Wait, wait, um, awesome. Episcopalian. I'm trying to remember, do they have uh, relations with the Anglican church still, or is that it's a big question? Else? Okay. <laughs> so we're unsure. Good. Yes and All no. Right. <laughs> All right. Good to know. Yeah. Right. Uh, so for those of us who don't know, uh, what is the Barna Group and what do y'all do? Yeah. So the, the Barna Group, um, we are a religion and social research firm. Um, we've been around for uh, 35 years now um, and counting. And we have a, a real focus on resourcing the Christian church. Um, so we say that we help Christian leaders understand the times and know what to do. Um, and that's that's a callback really to the tribe of Issachar um, in, in First Chronicles and just that that mandate to kind of uh, be sages of the time and and really take stock, take inventory of what things really are, the state of things. And um, especially in our case, um, you know, taking that research and then making it applicable for uh, pastors and church leaders, especially that I think there's there's other audiences that that use our data and, and find it helpful. But that's that's a real part of our mission. Um, and then my role is really um, as VP of editorial is to oversee the publications. So the data journalism efforts surrounding that um, our our print and digital reports and just kind of 
distilling that research, hopefully making it interesting and digestible. Knock yeah, on adding wood. Some context to the numbers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so that's you know, kind of a, we talk about it as a mashup um, of, of kind of bringing that journalism and publishing uh, sensibility, but into the the research space for the church. Nice. All right. Sounds like yeah. fun. It's very fun. Yeah, yeah. I did not expect, um, you know, to I kind of, again, a, a theme for me, sort of meandering around and, um, you know, studied journalism and worked in magazine publishing and book publishing and then kind of found my way to data journalism and was like, wow, this, this really clicks. And um, yeah, just as a editor, but also as a Christian, I was like, this is fun. This is amazing. Yeah. Sounds yeah. like it. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Uh, so how did the Barner Group start? Yeah. So um, the it's George Barna. Um, he started the Barna Group. Um, originally, it was truly just him um, and his wife, Nancy. And <laughs> he saw market research as an opportunity and, and really just a, an untapped tool to understand and resource the church. So um, as well as to help others outside the church better grasp, you know, what is the state of American Christianity, which certainly, you know, in that 35 plus year span, that has been quite a journey of its own. Um, and then about 11 or so years ago, uh, David Kinneman became the president of Barna. And uh, Barna's really expanded its approach to publishing, um, typically, you know, alongside just really amazing partners and, and fellows. Um, as well as church engagement. So we do a lot more now uh, in that space with webcasts and podcasts, uh, cohorts, and just kind of education and application for for church leaders, nonprofit leaders who are like, okay, that's that's the data. What do I do with it? Um, so that's that's really how it's grown. That's been the trajectory. But a lot of the the heart of it, um, I think, is is still consistent. You know, even to just those days where it was it was George Barna. I think pouring over numbers. Um, and, and really in the last year and a half, um, you know, that's been, that's been crazy, but we've been really able, I think, to track alongside churches and, and just looking at the response to the pandemic, thinking about that impact and, and how churches are really doing. So data has been, you know, in some ways more valuable than ever, I think, through that effort. Yeah. And it's, it's one thing where I feel like some people might think of like data numbers as cold, but really when you think about it, like it's difficult for the whole church to be in one spot now. So to yeah. be able to kind of visualize it and numbers allow us to do that. So I feel like that's a lot more, it's comforting in a way that you could say, okay, mm -hmm. so this is, this is where the church is at and being able to see that is, uh, yeah, yeah, it's useful. Um, yeah. Speaking of the numbers, <laughs> we wanted to <laughs> kind of ask you just a couple things of things of what you've come across while doing this. Um, what would you say is one topic that you've discovered has the most disagreement on in the church, like where the numbers vary the most? <laughs> oh man. Uh, there's so many. Um, I think it's no surprise to you guys and it's, you know, really, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I, the whole point of your podcast, right. It's like, how do we come <laughs> together? How, how do we, you know, make sense of this, this mess? Um, and, and there's obviously yeah, you know, so much, yeah, so many expressions, so much polarization, um, so I think as far though, as, um, you know, what, thinking of the work that I've been able to do with Barna in the last several years and um, what stands out most to me, and I think is, um, you know, especially felt right now is, is very pointed, 
would, would be views on issues of race and racism. Um, we had a report that we worked on with uh, Dr. Michael Emerson. So he wrote uh, a book yeah. called Divided by Faith. Yeah. Are you familiar? Yeah. Yeah. He's been yeah. on a couple other podcasts and stuff I've listened to. I, I haven't picked his book up yet, but yeah. I so might he's need to. <laughs> Divided by Faith, you know, I would I would say is is seminal in that regard, but he's got he's got some more work coming out. So we were able to partner with him um, as well as some other scholars, uh, Dr. Glenn Bracey. And Chad Brennan, they do some work together um, through a group called the Racial Justice and Unity Center. So we put out a report this year on that research. Um, it's called Beyond Diversity. And it was fascinating because we started that research. Um, I think the, the project kicked off in 2019. And so we kind of got to see that research through 2020 um, and, and just through the events of last summer. Time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, wild time. Um, but it it just really drove home, I think, you know, there was already really apparent gaps in how the church uh, sees issues of race. And that was, you know, apparent across, you know, denominations, but also obviously by race, um, by region, things like that. But we actually saw those, those gaps grow in real time. Um, during that time in 2020, we we asked some of the same questions. Um, and to be clear, most you know, almost all of our research is those are nationally representative surveys. Um, you know, where there's you're you're getting the truth, you know, of, of people's perspectives. <laughs> yeah. And and so it was it was startling um, just to see, especially uh, between white and black Christians, just this growing divide, um, especially when it comes to acknowledging is there a problem i think that's that's just core to it is there a problem at all and then um beyond that are people motivated to address it and uh, we just saw those numbers continue to just go in opposite directions um with you know with, with white christians being um I, I think you could argue more in denial of that and then um, black christians being increasingly emphatic you know that there's there's something for the church to address yeah. so that was that was huge. Um, I think that's one of the most divisive for sure. I, I don't, I don't expect you'd be able to tell us this, but just because <laughs> it's what my brain we'll wonders, I'm going to ask anyway. Um, would you, do you think the divide grew more with the, um, the police cases over the last mm. year that uh, during 2020 or do you think it's more centered around kind of um, white people in the church's fear of critical race theory? Or is it a little it's bit a, of both? Yeah, it's a good question. And I, I think that other other experts could speak to that, you know, more more specifically than me. We, we definitely, the, the timing of our study, um, some of those examples actually weren't even included in the survey just because it wasn't yet, I think, part of yeah. the, the national vocabulary around this. And that's become so intensified. Um, but we do have some data related to um, the, the core issue, and I think really where people start to diverge is whether or not they see problems of race as an individual or a systemic problem. And so we do have that exact um, yeah. perspective that we looked for. And um, yeah, so if, if your answer to that is is individual <laughs> or systemic, that that dictates every, everything else. You know, are you going to be motivated? Do you see it as a problem? Do you personally feel you have a role to play? Um, everything kind of is is predicated on on that. So, 
Yeah. That, that probably answers your question. Um, though I think, <laughs> you know, there's, there's so many ways that, that part is not new. That's kind of my understanding, you know, is, is that, that gap in perspectives is not new, even though I think, um, the ways that those surface today and, and surrounding, you know, critical race theory or surrounding, um, police brutality, like the ways that that kind of comes to the surface just through what people have experienced in the last, you know, especially the last couple of years. So, yeah, it's, it's really interesting how, <laughs> so I'm not, not to linger on this, but just, uh, how critical race theory has been pretty widely discussed on like law schools for mm-hmm. a huge amount of time. And it's yeah. absolutely nothing to do with what most people think it is. And it's yeah. just, just really yeah. weird that now it's in the, you know, common vernacular and it's like, we mean something completely different, but yeah. yeah. Um, it, it's for our classic, listener. Like I'm going to use this phrase to talk about something <laughs> that it is not this phrase. Like I get worried <laughs> when someone brings up critical race theory, cause I have no idea what they're going to say next. <laughs> yeah. It, it's likely nothing to do with critical race theory though. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, and that's yeah. that was actually something that was important to us as we were working on this report is that um the the language and the examples that we used didn't become barriers for people to to engage with the data because I think there's so many phrases that if you throw them out right away people might immediately have their guard up um or yeah, you you really never know, right? Once you once yeah. you bring certain <laughs> things into the conversation, and it's I think so important, um, you know, that we we let the data speak for itself, but we also, you know, treated it in a way that we were trying to really invite people into a conversation. Um, I think knowing that the data represented um, represented the whole church, but also you know we we want our audience as well to to yeah. be growing in that way. So yeah. Yeah, it's um, what was it? Who was it? McDowell, who recently kind of stumbled over his own words, just because mm-hmm. some of these. I, I want to say it's probably because some of these terms are a little just used differently, and people don't quite understand. And um, but I, I will say for our listeners, so because we we do need to move on from this. Um, sure. <laughs> I highly recommend, regardless of what side you're on, uh, looking up uh, the Dispatch. Uh, David French writes a lot about mm-hmm. this, and uh, he actually adopted a uh, a young african girl and um he's got a pretty unique perspective definitely worth checking out um that being said (laughs) on on a more positive note uh, what's something that you numerically have we seen that the church mostly actually agrees on yeah probably puppies uh Um, good good i like that we'll we'll stick to that (laughs) puppies and gymnastics um yeah, so I, in some ways, this is an extension of what we were talking about, which is that I think, um, you know, people's people's hearts can be in the same place, though their their actions or their um, beliefs about, you know, what the church should do can be really different. Um, but I find that really, uh, really beautiful just in the story of the church today. I think there can be a lot of hand rigging around um, gaps by generations, um, certainly by political party and denomination, just the ways that those divide the church. Um, and yet we consistently see that there's certain elements just of spiritual growth and identity and commitment that um, Christians of all stripes of all ages really resonate with. Um, they believe that the church is a net positive for their communities and for the world. Um, they say that the Bible impacts their daily lives, transforms their lives even. Um, I think 
one of my favorite examples of this is that uh, millennials, practicing Christian millennials, um, you know, which certainly Barna itself, you know, has written a lot on just kind of their journey in and out of the church. And, yeah. um, you know, I think there's a lot to be studied around the, the growing evangelical movement. And there's, you know, yeah. a lot of pain and a lot of hurt wrapped up in a lot of that. And at the same time, uh, the majority of practicing Christian millennials, they are like every other generation and saying the best thing that could ever happen to someone is to come to know Jesus. And they might disagree on whether um, evangelism, for example, uh, we know that they're, they, they see that as, as a wrong approach, but the, the heart of just um, truly, you know, believing in the church, I think, um, you know, loving Jesus and, and investing in their spiritual growth. Those are things that at the heart of the matter, um, you know, all Christians are really committed to in a way that I think is unifying and helps us to sympathize, um, if not empathize, you know, with the ways that, Mm -hmm. that other viewpoints might diverge. Um, the conversation we've had today, you know, is a, is a great example of that where, um, you, you just kind of learn about people through listening and assuming, okay, they, they love the church or they're committed to their spiritual growth. And they, you know, believe that, that Jesus is, is worth knowing and following. Like, you know, those are things that, they feel it feels like a soft answer in some ways, but I I think that that's um, you know that's because it's it's good land it's it's good ground to land on <laughs> like that co- that yeah. common ground is soft yeah, um, yeah in the church sure. and and that's uh, that's something we see consistently you know those are those are areas that Christians are really aligned across tradition. Hey guys, we just wanted to take a quick break to tell you a few ways that you can support the Whole Church Podcast, your favorite church unity podcast. Yeah, so you could follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You could share this episode on your own social media. You could donate to us on Cash App with the tag in the show notes. You could follow us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the Whole Church Podcast. You can subscribe to the show wherever great podcasts are found. You could rate us on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser or you could sign up for our newsletter on our website or by emailing us at thewholechurch at gmail.com. Yeah, especially that last one. It's the best way for you to be connected with us and what we're doing with the podcast. Yeah. And we have a devotion on there and a word of the month. Yeah, it's a lot of good stuff. Huh? It's in Hebrew or Greek. You want to get back to the show? Yes. If uh, if we had time to do a whole another series with a podcast, I'd sit here and ask you about that evangelism thing because uh, that's right. Good. I'll send you what? some reports. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, this will uh, be a whole series. We've got to stop. Has there been one specific survey where you were especially surprised by the results that stands out? Yeah, um, it's hard to it's hard to kind of remember now. Um, you know, because I think there's. There's moments when we first get data in and, and our team is digesting together and um, usually our, our research team, you know, our, our analysts will kind of lead the way there. And, um, you know, just the first time you really something really clicks for you, where you're like, wow, that is a gap I didn't expect. You know, those those moments certainly occur. Um, I, I think my answer to this is is probably a little more general, which is just that I'm I'm really loving learning about Gen Z. And uh, I think that 
that might surprise some people um, and, and maybe, you know, surprises corners of the church in that, you know, it's, it's really easy to make assumptions and, and it's a new generation, you know, we're, we're still learning them. We're still getting to know them. Um, but I, I'm surprised just by um, how, how much I'm finding hope, I think, in, in learning about Gen Z and, and certainly they're in a formative stage of life. Um, there's, you know, so much <laughs> for for them to to go through and to decide. So much of their identity and their beliefs, you know, are, are not decided yet. But um, but I I do think that there's um, these these early signs of just kind of a, a brightness and an openness, a friendliness um, at this stage in their lives that really surprises me. Um, I I also think the fact that they are more open to faith than people might imagine. Um, I think it's it's probably easy to assume, especially kind of the the exodus from the church in recent decades, um, that Gen Z will just go that way. And and certainly, um, atheism is higher among Gen Z, but it's it's not because there's this overt skepticism or um, even you know hostility toward the church. There is this kind of spiritual openness and and yeah curiosity about Gen Z that, um, that kind of take into everything. And it's, it's fun to, to read about them. It's fun to write about them. Um, increasingly as we have more Gen Z leaders that we get to partner with, I'm like, Hey, you guys, you're doing something right. You know? So I think yeah. that's a very general, that's, I don't have like a stat for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Gen, Gen Z, they're, they're cool. I like yeah. them. Yeah. Our, um, crazy our audience's cause... favorite host is a Gen Z. Oh yeah, I am technically. Gen You're Z. technically Gen Z. Okay, well, <laughs> good like, job. <laughs> yeah, like 99 Gen Z. So okay, yeah. Depends close. who you depends yeah. who you ask, yeah. you know. But yeah. like uh, Gen Z is crazy because most of them are raised, you know, like by the internet. Mm-hmm. You know, their formative years they've spent online, and then if they yeah. get into an echo chamber that they like to be in. Uh, that's who they're going to be for a while. Yeah. I know that because yeah. I've seen it happen and it's crazy. Cause like, that's just who they are mm-hmm. and they really yeah. are that. And I don't think Google's that bad a dad. Who's <laughs> uh, right. Uh, <laughs> um, teach you anything. So, <laughs> just not hands um, on. Uh, <laughs> so Elise, um, how might these studies, like the different numbers and things that you learn through Barna and that we all can learn through Barna, mm-hmm. how how might learning these help us better maintain the unity of the church? Can you yeah, kind um, of verbalize that for us? I'll do my best. I think it's it's a question we ask ourselves a lot. Um and and I'll I mean on a personal level, um, which I yeah, I love even these questions, I think allow me to think personally about about some of this work. Um, that's, that's why I'm with Barna. I think, you know, I, I shared a little bit about my own journey, which has been, you know, kind of bouncing across, um, the church a little bit and, and still calling all of those places home. And I think that, um, that's, you know, a a bit of a denominational mutt, but it's given me a real, uh, passion, I think for bridge building. Mm -hmm. And I think that, um, that's something that data really allows people to do. Um, I, I think that, um, you know, th- th- do you guys do Enneagram? <laughs> uh, um, I, I feel I did mine once, but I don't remember okay. where I landed. 
Yeah, I did mine and I wasn't willing to pay for the results. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, for, you know, for any of your listeners who who care or are completely tired of this conversation, um, <laughs> but the, but I am an Enneagram 5. And so, you know, typically that, you know, I'm someone who can lean almost too heavily on like knowledge is power, you know, like, that that alone yeah. is is helpful. Um, but I do, you know, I, I just think that there are ways that that research promotes unity because it can operate like um, someone on our team. I've heard her describe it as a shortcut to conversations that you might not have gotten to have yet. Um, so either because you're in a homogenous community or you've just kind of been, you know, unmotivated or you just weren't aware of certain stories or differences. Um, I think data kind of acts as a, a, a green room of sorts. <laughs> like it, it helps you prepare for those conversations um, and for those interactions and and just, you know, whether or not you get to have them in real life. Um, it, it puts you in this spot where you just have an opportunity to truly just listen. Um, you're not, you're not, you know, going to be argued with or um, pushed back with by data. Um, but it does allow you, I think, to understand someone's point of view in a new way um, and, and maybe then to engage those conversations more meaningfully. So I think, I think that's, you know, my, my answer to that is, is just that thoughtful reading of data um, with open mind, open heart, um, really does, I think, lead us to uh, places of empathy and understanding, um, and and hopefully, you know, in our real lives as well. Yeah, right. I um, yeah, we were we was it a couple weeks ago we did a reflections episode and we were talking about different stuff we've noticed on our show and uh, we I think one of the ones we things we came to was one of the biggest obstacles for unity seems to be just misconceptions people have. Hmm. I I have to think that seeing kind of just the raw data of, Oh, wait a minute. This group actually does believe this. They don't believe this other thing. I thought they believed, you know, and then that kind of, um, I I feel like it gets around that misconception a little bit because it's Mm -hmm. just, it's there, you know, there's not much you can do with it. And, um, which I find it particularly interesting that you have gone from some charismatic churches to a higher liturgical thing, because yeah, that is where a lot of those misconceptions are. Is you know, I know uh, with our because TJ and I are both Pentecostal, and I know a lot of people that we're mm-hmm. close to have certain ideas of higher liturgical churches, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's always fun when we get to dive into that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, my background's Assemblies of God. Uh, oh yeah. as wow! Well. Yeah. Yeah, I went there when I when I we lived in Florida. There wasn't a church I got a prophecy nearby, which is where mm-hmm. we're members. So uh, my family went to an Assemblies of God for about five years there. So wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did, cool. I went to a Assemblies of God school, and um, yeah, my my father's church is, is non denominational, but yeah, I still have um, just great love and community, and and really even um, I think identity in that um, in a way that you know, kind of regardless of my affiliation is, is really core uh, to how, how I think about worship, um, how I think about the faith and just beautiful community. Um, The, the church home I was raised in sometimes I'm like, man, I took it for granted how, how much it felt like family, which I think a lot of pastors, kids um, find themselves in that position. So that was, yeah, it's something I take with me for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we, yeah, there's, there's a lot. And, um, I, I feel like there's a lot that every denomination can teach us something mm-hmm, and, uh, for sure. Yeah. 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 Right. 
because we've had a couple of guests who have been through like six or seven denominations before they were like, <laughs> this one's good for me. This is nice. Yeah. <laughs> this is the correct size bed for me to lie in. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's definitely a three bears scenario. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not not too hot, too cold. This portage mm -hmm. is just right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so gotcha. is there a question that you wish people would ask more often? Mm. Whether it be, you know, about Barna or just in general. That's great. Yeah, I like that. Um, I think um, something that comes to mind for me and just thinking about how people engage with our research um, or, or maybe with anyone's research, um, we joke a lot about how our analytics show that there's a surge of site traffic on Saturday nights. And we've attributed that to pastors needing last minute stats to throw in their sermons. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would um, say that's correct. <laughs> um, which is nice. Don't get me wrong. Um, yeah. But I, I do think that there's, you know, that's a critique I have sometimes of, of engagement with data is, you know, I think if you're being, thoughtful about it. You're not just kind of fitting it into what you already think. Um, you're not kind of, you know, proof texting in a sense with, with that data. So I think, you know, a question I encourage anybody, you know, to ask, um, and certainly I think I ask and, and encourage, you know, my, my editors and writers to ask is, is, you know, what does this change what I know? Um, you know, not just how does it fit what I know? How does this support my argument? How does this take me where I already want to be. Um, but really just, you know, approaching new information, uh, you know, being willing, I think, you know, if not to be wrong, at least to be open. Um, so that's, that's something, you know, I'd, I think just for myself, like learning to, to practice that and, and not kind of reinforce those, those echo chambers. Um, I think that, you know, can be a struggle for anyone today. And, um, yeah, in the family of yeah. Google, <laughs> you can <laughs> you can yeah. curate however you want, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I think um, with our our research, certainly it's easy. You can you can cherry pick stats all day if you want. But I think to to really get the the value and the meaning of that research, um, which at the end of the day, you know, we we talk a lot about how behind every stat there's a person, there's a face, there's someone who sat down and took a survey. Um, mm -hmm. You know what what a gift that is. And so really taking that. Um, for all it's worth. And yeah, just asking yourself, like, does this, does this change anything for me? Yeah. yeah. You know, along with that, I don't know if this is encouraging or discouraging or what, just a, just a fun anecdote. I actually, I went to a friend's church once to hear oh. him preach and he got up and he said, I was going to preach this. And I went to Barna's website so I could get numbers for it. And it actually turns out that, uh, and it had to do with married. I don't remember exactly what it was, so I don't huh. want to say for sure because I don't want to like yeah. spread false information. I don't want to be a part <laughs> of that system. But uh, yeah, it, he just got up and he said, so it turns out I was wrong and um, the whole church needs to repent. And he just just got up, said that, and we all just prayed. That was the whole church. Good on him. Like, Man, I traveled to hear you say that. That, that was it. What a testimonial. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so we do always like to ask our guests to just give us a single, just kind of a practical action of uh, what you think people could do. Just, you know, average Joe listening that mm -hmm. would help maintain unity in the church. Oh, wow. Um, Hard question, right? 
It is a hard question. Are, do you find that there's themes in that? Do, do people kind of lean the same way? There are common answers. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's, okay. there's been a few common, common ones. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, I feel like it's easy to say just, you know, truly just listening to people. <laughs> yeah. That's the main um, one. Okay. Yeah. So, you, you know, that's, that's on track, but it, you know, it's, um, I think something that, that I've been thinking about a lot lately. Um, and, and that I think is, is helpful in light of this though, is, um, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to be having some of those conversations or, you know, if someone's, you know, making that effort, I think to listen. Um, and certainly if you're seeking unity, it's probably assumed, you know, maybe that conversation is with someone you disagree with. Um, I think just, just knowing that I, I'm truly ready for that, um, that there's not a relational casualty, you know, that, that could occur there. Um, you know, that it's not just kind of this experiment, um, with, <laughs> with your friendship or, you know, kind of to get a, get a point, um, you know, to like, all right, now I'm going to sit down and really listen to you. Um, but just, just really being ready, I, I think for those conversations. And in the meantime, you know, like, um, I think reading widely, um, I, I mentioned data, you know, a, obviously that's going to be a bias for me is, is that that's a shortcut, <laughs> yeah. but I, I think just in general, just reading widely, you know, going to the, um, the site or the Twitter account or, or whoever who kind of know represents a different point of view, but you don't have that relational investment yet where there's, you know, maybe risk involved in saying the wrong thing and not listening appropriately and kind of, um, you know, being strategic about how you show up to confront or to listen or to, you know, reconcile with the people in your own life. Cause that's, you know, that's a little harder to get right on the, <laughs> the first try. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I think that's, you know, that's well, a lot of journalism itself. You know, I've, I've found myself doing that, but I think, you know, just even on a, a personal level, like that's um, yeah. Embracing conversations. And in the meantime, re read as much as you can. <laughs> like that's, that's probably, <laughs> yeah. that's probably what I would lean towards. Um, Pretty yeah. wise word. Yeah, yeah, I'm curious though if, if I can ask a question, which is like, you know, is there? I, I asked first, like, what themes there are, but have there been any unexpected answers or, or things you guys have heard where you've been like, wow, I've, you know, that's maybe something that really would be radical or or new. So I think um, at all times I'm too open to any answer to be surprised by any of them. <laughs> okay. Um, so I'm not sure though. Yeah. yeah. I could we, have just forgotten. Fun. We we just kind of asked ourselves this recently on the show, mm, but okay. I'm going to say it again. I um we had it was Pastor Ryan Green who was an old children's pastor mm. I used to work with and he got on the show and his answer was to do more projects in the community where no one is wearing their church's logo. He said, no, we're just being the church. You're not representing your organization. It's not that's marketing. Cool. It's being the church. And I thought that was just the coolest, like, I was like, yeah, that's, that's kind of in the mm. right. I don't know. Just, it feels Christ-like to me. I'm like, that just feels like what we should be doing anyway. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. That's really cool. That's very practical for sure. Yeah. Yeah. He's a cool guy. Yeah. That was a good one. Love Ryan. <laughs> uh, but what do you think would happen to the church or the world, even if everyone did what you said. <laughs> that sounds like I'm doing it so correctly. Um, 
I mean, I should probably start, you know, by, by doing that on my own advice. Um, what would the ramifications be? I, I don't know that, um, many minds would be changed. I think, I think to a certain extent, you know, that's not really the win is, is agreement. Um, I think, you know, that unity would, would need to involve something more. Um, and so I think, you know, I would hope for that, you know, that ramification being heart change, you know, if it's, if it's not a changed mind that it's, you know, probably a, a changed heart. Um, I think that a lot of this too can live in kind of a, you know, just a, theoretical space or it's just, it's limited to conversation. Um, that's one reason I think I love that example you just mentioned, um, because it's very concrete. It's literally mm-hmm. about showing up in your community. Um, you know, what would it look like for people to not be all talk, um, you know, and, and for unity to involve showing up and caring for people and meeting needs or hosting meals, you know, that's, that's what we're supposed to be about. Um, and so I, yeah, I, I would love, you know, for those things, I think to be, um, you know, top of mind when we think about the church or opportunities for unity is um, not necessarily like how do we all come together to agree on these things, but um, you know, what are what are we sharing? What are we accomplishing together um, relationally or in our communities? I think you know that's that's beautiful to think about. Um, it's feels lofty some days. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, sure. yeah. I would hope that's the ramification of, of that kind of work and that it's not, you know, just in vain, you know, to, to really, um, yeah, I think commit to those, those connections. Yeah. yeah. Right. I think the longer the pandemic goes, the loftier unity seems. Hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. People get uh, stir we did, crazy. We did have one, uh, suggestion that was saying the Lord's prayer every day uh, yeah. at 3 PM. Yeah. Yep, that I'm was still doing it and I have no idea who's doing it with me, but I'm like, you know, I just believe someone else is doing that with me. Yeah. Is, Hopefully it's not so, just me. That was a good one. Has that been kind of just, you know, just grounding? Is is that sort of I, the intent there? I feel like it's changed my attitude towards people just because mm-hmm. I'm like, well, and I think it's it's changed more because I because I don't know who's doing it, right? So like I see yeah. other people at church and I'm like, man, I wonder if they're doing that with me. But I never ask and I'm just like it. It just makes me feel like, hey, we could be doing this thing together yeah. every day. And somehow it it almost creates an obligation because it's like, I'm already doing this with this person. Of course, I have to talk to them. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, yeah. yeah. That's cool. That, I, I love that. Possible deniability. <laughs> yeah. It's so. possible they're not. But my brain just like out of, I don't know. They probably my brain are. creates this obligation because there's a chance they are. Mm-hmm. And if they are. I'm obligated to talk to them. Yeah. So I'm yeah. just like, you know, I'm not going to ask so that I'll keep that mindset. Yeah. Plausible accountability. Yeah. Uh, nice. So, so that is as far as full real podcast questions go, uh, that mm-hmm. is it. Uh, but we do like to start our outro with our God moment segment, which is just a moment from our mm-hmm. lives recently where we mentioned a moment where we saw God, whether it be a worship or a challenge, a blessing anything along those lines. And I always like to make Josh go first just because. Mm. Mine's going to sound like a cheesy promo and it slightly is, but it's because I couldn't think of anything else. Um, 
We are two days away from launching our other podcast, Systematic Geekology. By the time this comes cool. out, that show is out. And um, all that's out right now is a trailer and a bonus episode. But uh, we've had, well, he listens, and I'm just going to give him a shout out. Austin Nance messaged me, having listened to some of that, and said he's really excited for the show, and that it's really cool, and it's touched him. And it's just kind of cool that we are doing something that, even if it only reaches him, it reached him, you know? Hmm. And uh, if we were able to help somebody with it, that's cool. Yeah. Good for Austin. Uh, I'll go next. Give our esteemed guests as much time as possible to think. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I work at Chipotle. And uh, if you've never worked at Chipotle before, you might not know that there is a lot of smoke generated at that restaurant. Mm. We're cooking yeah. all the time, all day. Yeah. And our grill hood broke. Uh, oh. So we have just been absolutely gassing the restaurant for like three days. And they fixed it yesterday morning. Uh, so it was now bearable to stand in and work in. Like they co cooked steak and it felt like everyone in the building was getting pepper sprayed at the same time. Well, it so was there's really no incredible. way that was safe. <laughs> it was not. Yeah, almost like having a manager who can't smell come in and turn the gas hose on. That's yeah, about I used to work at Chipotle. I, that I was gonna to say this lot. feels this this feels like it's loaded. Like perhaps yeah, I worked at Chipotle before. after my car accident, and for like a solid mm. year there, I couldn't smell, and <laughs> and I was going in and turning gas hoses on. And w one day, people came in and were like, "Uh, Josh, gas is leaking." I'm like, "Hmm, glad you came in." <laughs> I wonder if that's a thing with uh, COVID as well. Like, how how yeah. many people in the restaurant industry can't smell right now? <laughs> yeah. Probably dangerous thoughts. Yeah. Like, do you smell something? No, I haven't smelled anything yeah. since April. <laughs> yeah, what's wrong? Uh, but uh, Elise, do you have a God moment for us? Yeah. Well, first of all, I love these examples because I I think it's so. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like it doesn't have to be this like mind blowing. Um, yeah, TJ's top thing about hockey. <laughs> It's no, it's very cool. I I, I love that. Um, Everyone's intimidated by the phrasing. That's yeah, God's well, I mean, right, exactly. And I I I think that um, that was a great setup because it just it kind of put me in this place of like, okay, yeah, day to day moments. Um, so in light of that, I think um, I went to a three year old's birthday party this weekend, and uh, it's my my friend's daughter and um you know really her first two where she's got like friends at the party you know it's like one yeah. and two you you don't you're with adults um most kids didn't have a pandemic birthday you know so this was this is really her first birthday and um yeah I I think things like that are just so special and um you know really getting to to show up with your neighbors and with your friends and um getting to see kids just kind of finding themselves, forming friendships. And um, yeah, she's also just an awesome kid. Like I love, she, she's a three-year-old girl and, but she's obsessed with cars, like with like Pixar's cars. So like the theme was, Sick. was all cars. <laughs> <laughs> nice. um, yeah. But I, I, I think um, we'll call that a God moment, uh, which is just, you know, I think just getting to kind of, you know, see, See people grow up, get to, you know, see your your friends growing families. It's really cool. So Yeah.
That's awesome. awesome. Um, so if you enjoyed this episode, thank you so much. Uh, please consider it sharing it with a friend or an enemy. As always, you are free to do that. <laughs> and uh, come back next week. Yeah, and um, Elise, uh, usually we would ask where people could follow you, but I, I guess in this case, would it be more um, where can people subscribe to yeah. Garna and uh, yeah, all the stuff that y'all are putting out? Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm, there's, there's really not much to follow personally. <laughs> so yes, go follow yeah. Barna. That's, that's where I'm working. Um, yeah, Barna.com um, is, you know, just definitely the the front porch there. Um, we're at Barna group on, on almost all social media. We do have a subscription service as well. Um, Barna access. So it'd be like Barna.com slash access. Um, and that's, you know, access to, really the whole library um, of, of all of our, our research, but we put out a good bit of things through Barna.com and um, that would have links to any, you know, podcast products, things like that. Yeah. That, she's made it clear. She doesn't run the Twitter, but <laughs> I love their Twitter. Cause it's always just like, like real quick blips of, huh, I learned something new about the church yeah. today. Just, you know, you keep moving on. That's great. Yeah. They do a good great stuff. job. Oh yeah. So, uh, some future guests for the show. We've got Matt Chandler, pastor of Village Church and author of The Explicit Gospel. Dr. Crispin Cobes Dumez, uh, Kobe Dumez, I'm not sure, author of Jesus and John Wayne. Uh, return guest Andrew Croft of World Watch Weekly. And at the end of season one, we will have Francis Chan. Yeah, he, he doesn't know, though, but he'll, he'll figure it out. Maybe Matt will tell him. <laughs> right. Matt well, will definitely tell him. Matt. Yeah. yeah, we haven't officially met yet i should still call him pastor matt i'm convinced he's gonna be my best friend and we'll be on a first name basis soon. <laughs> of course but like yeah. i said if you enjoyed the show thank you for your time come back next week elise thank you for your time and if you would like to throw a couple dollars at us over on patreon you can hear the last thing we do for the show which is let you know that kind of sounded like you were talking to her and i was like he's no he's not <laughs> <laughs> But you could also subscribe to our Patreon if you wanted to. Thank you. Yes. It is an open invitation. Yeah, yeah. It didn't mean that you can't. Just wanted you to know that that's not what he Doors was open. doing. Doors open. Yeah.